Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast, The Wire Remix, Episode 2, Season 2, excuse me, Season 2, Episode 2, Collateral Damage. As always, I am joined by one Robert Sapp. How you doing, Mr. Sapp? You doing good, doing good. Um, I hope everybody out there is being safe. Um, as we, you know, if you watch the news, you see the numbers spiking across the country, especially in the South and West. Um, so, you know, take all precautions. Uh, definitely be safe out there. Um, this episode, again, was directed by Ed Bianchi, who also directed the uh, season uh, premiere of uh, season two. Uh, he directed this episode. This episode, like the first episode, was ranked low in terms of Vulture Magazine, 59 by Vulture Magazine, this episode was ranked. So Vulture was not in love with this episode, just like they weren't in love with the previous episode uh, that was ranked 60th. Um, collateral damage, an injury inflicted on something other than an intended target. So we saw how that played out over the course of this episode. The epigraph was by McNulty, they can chew you up, but they gotta spit you out. Um, opening scene, you have we get introduced to the medical examiner who will who we will see a lot of over the course of the seasons, Doc Frazier. Um, he looks like a medical examiner. He look, I mean, you couldn't have a better person, have a better uh, person being cast as a medical examiner. You're talking about how in terms of how he looks. Like this dude, this dude looks like a mortician of, of medical examiners. Um, they discovered, of course, they're they're continuing from uh, last episode where they discovered all 13 bodies. Now you have B.D. Russell along with some other uh, policing agencies basically just trying to determine who is going to be responsible for um, any type of investigation. Now at this point it has not been determined that they are murders, that they are homicides at this point, which we'll get to. But um, B.D. Russell and the port uh, get the unenviable, unenviable task of being the one who um, has the murder, not has the murders, but has the bodies in terms of paperwork. And the, one of the guys tell B.D. Russell, all you, know, all you have here, if you take these bodies, all you'll have is just a bunch of paperwork. Because at that point, we did not, they did not know that they were um, murders. And what were your thoughts on this uh, scene, this opening scene? Yeah, kind of like as you said, um, this is the the um, the politics of it all, for lack of a better word, of who who's going to take it and why. And because they're not murderers at this point in time, people are much more willing to take it than not to take it. So you have um, Frank Sabaka, Nick Spiros. Uh, Sergey and uh, meeting up at the Greeks' place of business, which is that little deli called Johnny's. Um, the Greek before sees Sabaka out the window and leaves, and basically leaves the scene. He doesn't leave the place, but leaves leaves the the area to where he couldn't be seen by uh, Frank and Nikki once they once they got into the restaurant or into the deli, um, which uh, you know just kind of like one you know which found a little bit curious, um, not surprising, but kind of curious. So Spiros is trying to explain to uh, Frank what happened. Frank, again, is basically demanding to know 
what's going on. And Spiros basically says, do you, you know, Frank is pointing fingers. Uh, Spiros is basically basically saying, do you really want to know what's it, what we're in those cans? And we get introduced to a whole another level of, you know, criminal activity in regards to the Greeks. They're just not moving drugs or things of that nature, products or cars. They're moving bodies in terms of human trafficking. And um, Frank reluctantly still stays stays with the Greeks. Um, Spiros, of course, Frank is angry about the you know bodies coming on his port. He knows it's going to draw some of the attention by police. And Spiros, you know, Spiros calmly explains says to Frank, yeah, that we're angry too. We're looking into it. We're going to handle it. Um, very calmly, very calm, and you know, under control. And then you have again, of course, again, the Greek is watching all this, not from afar, but watching this from somewhat from a distance. Um, what were your thoughts on on this scene? Yeah, this is this is uh, them kind of circling the wagons for their own organization, the Greeks, or what 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 is called was known as the Greeks at this point in time. Um, so yeah, you got kind of like a, a, a internal analysis of, of of where they need to go next um, as they're trying to find out information and calm Frank down at the exact same time. And also, you have Frank realizing that he is like he, you know, I, I think this might be the first time where Frank kind of not I'm not gonna say feels guilty, but kind of realizes how deep he is into this. You know, maybe he can maybe he could justify, you know, disappearing cans of cars or products. But now we're talking about human bodies. It takes him to a to a whole nother level, and that's why you know he's just you know that's why he was just uh, angry. On top of the fact that you know you know these are thirteen day girls, he you know I don't think he realized he didn't realize how deep he was into this. And maybe maybe he doesn't completely know, I and mean, he doesn't really know who exactly that he's dealing with from that standpoint. Agreed. So you have um, Brianna and uh, Avon discussing um, the situation with Roberto and the and the drug connect. Avon, you know, Brianna said, you know, tells them tells Avon that the money has been sent back. And basically, they are, the relationship with Roberto is basically is, is dead. Um, he gives her another drug connect to look into, or that he's going to get Sprint Stringer to look into, and that's uh, this guy from Atlanta at a from a, at a rim shop. Um, you know, Brianna explains. You know, they're barely holding on to to the towers. Uh, in her words, you know, holding on to them with, with scraps. Um, she also explains uh, her concern, of course, for her son D'Angelo. Um, Avon, she basically, you know, snaps on Avon when he says that he hasn't been able to uh, get to see D'Angelo. Says that he it says that D'Angelo has kind of been blowing him off, making adjustments. And uh, you know, Brianna says, you know, hey, he took the years. He needs to be cared for. Um, you know, he hasn't seen his child. Uh, he hasn't done that. Hasn't brought his child up here. And um, Avon says, you know, I'm not going to let anything happen to her, happen to him, and I'm not, and I will put strength on Donette as well. 
So you have, you know, the interactions of a brother and sister uh, who care for each other, love each other, but you have a mother who, you know, is on the edge in terms of the, you know, what, in terms of what her son is dealing with uh, inside in the prison and what he's, you know, in terms of the weight that he's carrying, that he's carrying for the family. Uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah, and she knows, like Avon doesn't know, she, she knows how close he was. Um, so she has the extra added uh, ability of knowledge of like where, where her son was at. So it's, when she's saying he needs to be taken care of, like she's not saying that just because, like she, she, knows, he, she knows he needs to be taken care of. Um, yeah, so Avon, to your point, I'm sorry, to your point, Avon does not know how close D'Angelo came to flipping. So that's, that's no. an important point to, uh, to note. No, so she basically there to tell Avon all the ways he's messing up. Yeah. Like from her perspective, it's all falling apart. Yeah, and or she's it feels like it's falling apart at the very least. Yeah, and she, you know, <laughs> she's being kind when she says that we're holding on to the towers with scraps. The bottom line is they have no control over the towers at this point. They don't have right. they don't they have any drugs. And right. so it's like you know, she I think she wanted I you know, I I don't she knows Avon, so I don't I don't think she wanted to give she wanted to give she wanted to be she wanted to be firm with Avon, but she she really could have you know been, she could she really could have really went in, went in all the way in on Avon in terms of saying look you have you don't have any towers. So I think she was very careful from that standpoint, despite how angry she was um, in regards to D'Angelo, she still was very careful in terms of how she chose some of her words uh, with Avon. So you have uh, Monk and Minolti are in the. Uh, the police center, the police center, but the fucking uh, notes are eating crab, crab legs, and drinking beer in the interrogation room. Um, Bunk, of course, continues to ask about Omar and McNulty. You know, um, you know, this basically, you know, McNulty is looking into uh, looking at a newspaper about the uh, dead girl, about the dead girls. Um, McBunk says basically says you're you know you're a special kind of asshole <laughs> to McNulty. Um but um again McNulty continues to blow Monk off about uh about the Omar, which we'll you know we'll see how that plays out over the course of the, in a couple episodes. Uh what were your thoughts on this interaction? Yeah, this this is a scene to set up uh McNulty seeing the girls. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he sees that article, sees the sees uh, sees the girls. Now he still is in the mode of he's not he still is not he's still at a place where he is not all the way in in terms of the case. But now now that now seeing that started has piqued his interest, and he's still trying to get. I mean, he's still trying to fuck over Rawls and 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 that, from that standpoint, still into that in, in that mindset. But now to your point, he sees that article. He sees the, the newspaper article clipping or whatever, and now now his interest is uh, now his interest is peaked in, from um, from that standpoint. Plus, he's he's looking for something to keep his interest as far as besides being on the boat. So that you had that going on as well. 
in, in this particular scene, he's still very much interested in fucking overalls. Right. Right. No question. Um, Horseface, Frank, and I, um, one of the Divadors, Stevadors, uh, they get harassed. Um, Ott comes in and says that they getting har- that the police are harassing the, the, the Stevedores um, vehicles at, uh, at, do- at vehicles at the dock at the docks. Um, you said, and they basically um, then you have you see Carver uh, writing tickets, um, and then Carver Frank so Sabaka comes out. He comes out of uh, his place, his little office. Basically says, you know, we've been parking here for years. Like, what's going on? To Carver, Carver is basically saying, look, I'm just doing my job. I work for, you know, my bosses, you know, Stan Balchek, and you know, and Sabaka basically says, you know, you work, you work for a gaping asshole. And then, you know, Her- Car- Herbert, not Kurt, but Carver's like, yeah, two of them. And then he said, then he uses one of um, one of uh, Daniel's famous lines in famous lines in terms of saying it's, you know, it's chain command. Uh, our first appearance, uh, the first appearance by our Carver this season uh, in a new position uh, as, as a sergeant now working under uh, Stan Balchak in, in, in the Southeast. Uh, what were your thoughts? This is, this is, um, I mean, it's definitely like a lot of setup. And so, uh, the big thing to pay attention in this episode and this scene kind of outlines it is like, this is, uh, this is very, this is, um, this is the start of, of the petty, the petty that will eventually lead to more substantial, more substantive stuff. Um, but this is the beginning of the petty that leads to all that. That's what this episode is about. Yeah, no, no question about it. Um, you have Weebay and, and Officer Tillman back in prison. Tillman is um, trashing Weebay's room. He uh, he finds a bunch, of, you know, he finds some like some Playboy magazines. He finds tears down his posters, and and more importantly, he uh, he throws the Weebay's fish, which we you know Weebay loves, on the floor. Tells him to clean it up. He yokes Weebay up, grabs his shirt. Um, again, at this point, we don't know why, you know, why this is occurring, why this what's you know, what Tillman's problem with Weebay is, we'll find out. But at this point, this is uh this was, you know, a setup for a lot of things to come, not just in this episode, but in episodes to come. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. This 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 continues the, the the petty train going, um, you know. I mean, and well, petty I, for a legitimate I, reason. Yeah, this petty. wasn't this, this um, wasn't this wasn't petty when you when we find out the reason. This was nah, it's it's petty, um, but it's petty with a, a legitimate reason because uh, trashing his room don't have nothing to do with bringing ex yeah, you know yeah, so and so to justice. Um, yeah. So and. Given the it's the way the way that I'm viewing Petty, especially in terms of this episode, is you're making oh 
in both cases, um, both both a lot of individuals are making some very petty actions in this episode that will that will have long and far-reaching consequences for them. Absolutely. Uh, you have Valchek and Sabaka discussing um, the stained glass window. Valchek uh, goes to Sabaka's office. Um, they get into an argument, and we find out that um, we find out that they that they this is a they this is you know there's a reason for the dislike um, going back to when they were like kids. Um, well, going back to when you know, Sabaka tells the story about his sisters not his sisters not you know going going to a dance and Valchek was a guy that was always an asshole that nobody liked and so there's some family history with the Valcheks and Sabaka's from that standpoint uh, Sabaka has some uh, Sabaka's I think his father knew Valchek and basically there's absolutely no respect either way from uh, from 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 either one of these dudes. Um, Valchek spits on Sabaka's uh, floor as he's walking out, and uh, you know Valchek, you know, basically threatens Sabaka, and Valchek lets Sabaka know I'm basically I'm the one that was, I'm the one that that you know that was uh, that got your people written up as far as uh, those tickets, and you know he says unless you want my finger in your eye, uh, you know back off from you know the. Uh, stained glass window from that standpoint. And basically, Sabaka tells him, you know, go fuck himself in his main words. Um, and Valtech walks out. So we kind of get some hist we kind of get some in-depth uh, backstory in terms of why these guys don't, you know, particularly uh, care for each other. Yeah, definitely <laughs> the most interesting part of that scene was the, the kind of history between between the two. What I mean, like, what what I took away from it was, you know, like, again, what's most important to the creators of the show is highlighting, you know, the decay of urban society and so the decay of cities. And so um, this is another example of showing two characters that have deep, 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 deep historical ties to, to the city and have been around for a very long time. Um, and uh, both characters are presumably I don't even say presumably, it's by the way that they talk, are from same nationalities, because as you know, urban cities, especially back back in the day, however you want to define that, most people grouped up by their by their racial identity. And so um, that's also another important indicator of letting us know like how deep these these ties go. And even though these two didn't grow up at the same time per se, like they're not the same age, they're families have grown up in the city of Baltimore for a very long time. So they've had many, many different interactions um, with each other, even if through a historical con context of dads knowing dads and uncles knowing uncles and dances and all that stuff. Yeah, kind of, you know, kind of a, a lighter version of a, you know, Hatfield McCoy's type situation where it's, it's, I don't think it even has to be that dramatic. Um, that there it's the families, you know, it's families have known each other for a long time. All these families have grown up in the neighborhood or heard the same stories. And so to, to your point, that was a way for, uh, for, um, 
uh, Tabaka to be like, I, I don't, don't come in here flashing your badge. Like I'm supposed to be scared of your badge. Right. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. Let, me, let me tell you about all the little history, which made it personal, which again, was that the smartest move in the world? Yeah. Um, but he definitely made it personal. Yeah, I, I mean, I think they both, I, I think they both made it personal. So I, it's, I think it's, it's a... Yeah, and that's fine, but now we got to think about positional power here, right? Like, it's one thing for Frank to, it's one thing for Valchek to make it personal. Um, it's another thing for Frank uh, Sabaka to make it personal. Because the repercussions, anyways, yeah. we, we well, will get to that yeah, as, as yeah, we'll we'll get to that yeah, um, this episode as series goes. You have uh, Russell B. Russell and McNulty back at the port, and the port police going over the crime scene. Uh, now, you know, now McNulty once he climbs on top of the of the uh, of the can, to, you know, sees that he sees that something's wrong with the uh, in terms of the air pipe being um, being broken, and that you know that you know that has his wheels spinning. Uh, BD questions why he even has an interest, why, you know, what's his interest in the case, considering that he's a part of the Marine unit. And of course, you know, and, and of course she, um, you know, he says, you know, the Marine unit has nothing, has no interest in the case. And, lead, and this is continuing on your theme of pettiness in regards to, you know, this is him coming after, uh, his old squad, in particular one, Rawls. Uh, this is a setup for the five. This is a setup for up and uh, a coming up and coming scene where uh, with Doc Frazier as well. Yeah, yeah, setup. So big scene. Uh, Valchek and Krawcheck. So Andy Krawcheck is a real estate developer. Valchek. Now we see some some of Valchek's connections and political wise and some of the moves that he's trying to make. He goes to Krawcheck, tries to get Krawcheck to make moves against Sabaka to get the window taken down. Uh, Krawcheck basically says, "There's no way that the that a priest is going to give back give back that amount of money or any money." And he um, tells Krawcheck about the type of money that Sabaka has. Krawcheck like us. Uh, Valchek, Krawcheck like Valchek is kind of, you know, is, is wondering how good he had that type of money as well. But again, Valchek, Krawcheck is, is about the money. So he, you know, he, he's not looking that deep into it himself. Uh, we learn about the greenery as well. Uh, the green pier is good, that the fact that the green pier is going to be the greenery, which is going to be some condos. So getting back to see episode one. Um, so so that you know that's going to be that trashes uh, Sabaka's dream of uh, of a uh, of a green pier because remember of a green pier or or Nats or or his other boo Nats dream of a green pier they just because they're going to make it into uh, some condos and we understand we also figure out not figure out we also are made aware of the con the connections that Sabaka has as Valchek not Valchek Krawcheck told uh, Valchek that Sabaka had made political contributions too. Lot, a lot to chew on from this scene in regards to the politics and Valchek's reach as well. What are your thoughts? Yeah, this is setting up. I mean, like, I don't. I mean, like, I think he uh, he always knew condos was a was a uh, was a possibility, and so 
I don't know if it necessarily dashes the dream per se, but it definitely makes him more desperate. And that's, that'll be a big, like a big, huge factor in the moves that Sabaka makes um, is directly tied to the desperation that he feels for his union. Um, and so uh what what that what that scene and scenes like that are doing are uh illustrating to us the truncated timeline that that Frank is feeling slash manufacturing for himself um in order to justify a lot of different actions that that he that he's gonna make. Um so that's that part of that. And then yeah, it, it opens us up a little bit to like, all right, well in Valchek's very simple world of Frank has done something to me. Um, and the way he's doing it is in Frank's and Valchek's world, he's stealing, he's stealing stuff off the pier to get money to afford this window. And what we're being shown is it's way, way deeper than that for Frank. This has, this actually has nothing to do with the window to embarrass Valchak, the window was to grease the wheels of the local church so that he could get in with certain with certain people. Um, but of course, Valchak can't see that at all. So it's it's letting us in, giving us giving us a uh, it's starting to give us that deeper dive into it as episodes go by. Yeah, McNulty, uh, B. Russell, and of course Doc Frazier, they determined that the girls were indeed killed. Um, and that it is it is absolutely turned into a um, a homicide. Yep, set up. So, Burrell and Valchek. Um, Valchek again shows his connections that he as he goes directly to soon to be Commissioner Burrell, going to be Commissioner, um, and he goes and asks Valchek. He goes and asks Burrell for a detail. And to Burrell, you know, Burrell basically says, you know, what is this about? He gives him, you know, some stuff about he Valtech gives Burrell about half the story. It doesn't give doesn't go all the way in in terms of uh, or in terms of why, but gives him enough to satisfy Burrell. Burrell says, okay, I'll give you six men for six weeks. And Burrell finishes the scene asking. What is Frank Sabaka to you? And Balchek simply says, he's an asshole. <laughs> and uh, at least he laughs before he leaves, um, leaves the office. Yeah, I think the important part of this scene is the uh, inner, inner uh, political workings of the police department, right? Like the big thing about it is that this doesn't have to or have anything to do with any particular uh investigative point or like we're identifying the problem and we're going to use our uh our our powers as police to 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 investigate investigate that problem this is a quid pro quo um you know uh Valchek starts off the scene or not starts off the scene as um as uh uh Burrell is talking about um you know, uh, his his term and what, what he needs to do to be reelected, uh, Valchak says he can get his friends in the first to back off another candidate. Um, 
and then Burrell, they both laugh, and Burrell goes, so what, if anything, can I do for you? So he, he knows what's up. Valchek is going to do this for him. Uh, Burrell needs to do something for, for, for Valchek. And so when asking what, he, what has he done, it's very half-heartedly. It's like, like it doesn't even matter what he's done. No, uh, no. It's, it's, actually, it's actually an acknowledgement of, like, this is not anything – this is not anything about doing good police work or doing doing work that is considered like an integral part of the police department. This is quite literally just doing a favor for somebody. Yeah, this is basically this is politics. This is you know exchange exchange of favors. Um, you know, Valchek what wants what he wants done, and you have Burrell who wants to be named who wants to be named commissioner. He still hasn't. I mean. It, it, he's going to be named commissioner, but it still hasn't been official yet. So he still needs still needs a little bit of help from that standpoint. And Valchek is somebody who can get him closer to that position. To your point, so this, you know this was politics, and um, yeah, but Burrell, Burrell didn't seriously care about the particulars or details of the case. Um, to your point, um, you have. You have Rawls, um, okay, yeah. You have Daniels and Marla discussing um, his future. Uh, they presumably came back from dinner, or they have came back from dinner. She said you ordered more than you ate. And she is at, he's at a point to where she, you know, she says, you know, you need to make moves um, in regards to what you're going to do. You've played your, you know, you played your hand and this is where you, you ended up in, you know, the basement and he, and Daniels concedes that she was right. And reluctantly, he said, reluctantly, he's going to put in his papers and, uh, you know, pursue seemingly, you know, pursue law. She explains all his options as far as, you know, you have a law degree, um, you have a law degree, of course, he has a presumably 25 years in, 25 to 30 years in, maybe 20 to 25 years uh, in, in. So, you know, he has that experience from that standpoint. So she says, you know, basically trying to wrap up, you know, basically, you know, you played your hand and you got burnt. So you need to uh, make other moves and he concedes and, and says, I'll, I will put in my papers. Uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean just uh, he, you know, he does this, but you can tell that he doesn't want to do it. Like, he doesn't really want to do it. He, even even in that scene, he wasn't all the way in on it. But at this point, you know, it's like, you know, he's in the basement and all the points that she made were legitimate points, from uh, were uh, legitimate points. Um, you have Johnny... Johnny 50, Ziggy, Nat, and Nick, uh, Nat, Nick Sabaka, and some of the other, and Horseface, and some of the other Divadors, Stevadors, go to a, go to a Dolores' bar, and before they're going to work, they drink uh, some beers with some, with, with some raw eggs, uh, take some shots, and um, you have Ziggy there trying to get Nick to, uh, to go in on them with a uh, with a package 
from this uh, local drug dealer. Of course, Nick, Nick Sabaka blows him off, says he wants nothing to do with that. And then you have Ziggy ordering a shot. Um, then you have Ziggy ordering a shot. Yeah, uh, I mean, like, mostly it's set up. It's it's giving you a little bit more in-depth of, you know, the destructiveness that is is Ziggy. Um, and at this point in time, Nick, the, the thought that I had is this point in time, Nick's not desperate enough yet. No, no, Nick is still, you know, Focusing with the with the Greeks and with uh, his uncle, um, and uh, yeah, and it's a, it's a lot of setup with that. But from the standpoint, you know, with in terms of Ziggy, so then so then following the set that scene, you had the dock workers who are pulled over by the cops immediately for DUI checks. Again, it's Carver. Carver was uh, part of this. Um, it's eight o'clock in the morning. Um, and clearly, you know, they've clearly been drinking. So this is, a, uh, again, part of the back and forth with Sabaka and uh, Valchek. Yeah. Next, we have Rawls talking to Port Commander Robbie, who gets Rawls to uh, try to take, uh, to take on the murders, take on the 13 murders. Of course, Rawls completely blows him off and says, there's no way I'm taking on that, no way that I'm taking on those murders. Uh, this is a setup for some things to come uh, later on in, in the episode. Yeah, 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 this is a setup. I'll, I'll talk a little bit more during the, the next big meeting of all of them. So you have Avon and Weebay. Um, good to be uh, kingpin in jail. Avon is, is eating Kentucky Fried Chicken, drinking soda, in his room, in his room, just living it up. Uh, Weebay comes in, you know, despondent, clearly, you know, depressed about, uh, you know, Tillman, you know, killing his fish. Um, so depressed that he hasn't even touched none of the food. I mean, Avon, you know, he has some of the good, good Kentucky Fried Chicken, and uh, you know, Weebay wants no part of that. And but but Avon assures him that you know. I'll look into it. I'll look into it. Who's basically Avon says, I'll look into it. We'll keep bringing in more stuff to a point to where they won't be able to tear it down quick enough. Um, Weebay lets him know why, uh, you know, why um, this dude is after him. Uh, apparently, Weebay killed his cousin. Avon jokingly says, I, you know, need a scorecard to keep up with your lethal ass. I don't remember him, which, you know, I mean, how could you remember any of Weebay's uh, murders? how many there was. So Avon assures him again that um, he'll, he'll look into it. We'll try to talk to him. Don't worry about it. Most important part of this scene to me uh, was, was the, the fact that uh, Weebay says that Tillman was dealing, was dealing on the side. What are your thoughts? Yeah, this is this is this is where um, Officer Tillman's petty is gonna get get him in trouble. Um, yep, yeah, yeah. That that was the re that was the reveal. That that was the big one. Uh, you have Fraser, McNulty, Russell. Um, again, they've determined that that these are homicides. 
McNulty sent some paperwork over to the port police or to the, uh, I'm assuming to the port authority about the coordinates that prove that the, uh, that the, that the bodies belong to uh, Baltimore police as he, he's faxing them over. So you had that going um, to the port authority. So you had, you had that going on with that, that that's going to be a setup for the scene that you're talking about. That's going to be a big scene. Um, again, McNulty, you know, being McNulty, um, this is keeping McNulty busy and occupied, uh, you know, in, in, in his mind beyond the pettiness. I mean, we know how petty it is. Mm -hmm. Don't do that, bro. Don't do that. Don't do that. He's being clearly petty. That's no, he's being petty, but he's also keeping only. Nope. That's the only. That's his only motivation here. Because I wanted to make a minor note. You said he's obviously doing the port authorities. No, he's not. He's texting it to all everybody. Yes. He, he wants to make it so that uh, Rawls has no out. Everybody, everybody's getting that, getting that message. Yeah. This, so this is completely by him. This right. is completely by him being petty. Real. So we find not out. Yet. Not yet. McNulty's not. No, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> he is nowhere involved in the. Anyways. Yeah, so to your point, we uh, find no, out. Not yet. Not even close yet. He's he just is. all about messing up brawls. And as and we'll we'll find that out in a, in a scene coming out very, very quickly. So yeah, he sends it off to a number of, of uh different agencies that we will come to find out. Everybody uh, in that room got it. We have uh Avon and Tillman. Avon uh is sitting, is uh waiting for one of the officers to tip him off on Tillman on which off, on which, um, on who Tillman is, the officer does tip, tip, you know, less Avon signals to Avon when Tillman comes up, comes in the picture. Avon then proceeds to try, uh, to try to talk to Tillman. He respectfully walks up to Tillman, says, you know, can we, uh, Officer Tillman, uh, can we speak? Uh, can we parlay? That was his exact words. Tillman says, um, Barksdale, right? And Avon says that, you know, that's right. And then uh, Tillman basically Tillman basically blows him off and keeps it moving. And Barton, this is the funny part about this scene. But Avon, Avon is as calm as as you can be and says, "Pardon me." He says, "Pardon me." And then he uh, then Tillman um, Tillman walks off and then the court, you know, then not pushes over. Uh, gets or gets not pushes, but gets a, another inmate out of the way in terms of when he's walking up the steps. So at this point. You know, you know, you know, Avon's wheels are spinning um, on on trying to on trying to get trying to come at this dude. Um, what are your thoughts on how Avon dealt with this um, interaction? Well, I was not thinking about it from Avon's perspective at all. Um, so the so I, it, it, there's two there there's a there's a couple of interesting things that's going on that's going on in this scene. One is um, Avon is supposed to be speaking out on behalf of his boy. But in this scene, I get the impression that the thing that's going to get his wheels moving is the disrespect he felt that the guy was giving him. So that's interesting. And then the second thing is, I of course know what the plan will become. And the plan becomes really, really self-serving. 
So I just noticed that in this scene, in that that interaction inter, interaction between the two. Well, just well well done between those two actors. Yeah, I mean, I think initially he was going like he he was going there speaking on speaking on behalf of Weebay initially, but once he blew him off the way he blew him off, that yeah that that took it to another took it to a whole nother level. And we'll see, you know, we'll see the payoff from that standpoint. We'll see how that turns out, of course. Um, and, they, you know, Avon handled it, just handled it like a boss, um, you know, went, okay, and went about his business. No, you know, no back talk or no, you know, no overreaction, anything like that. So you did, okay. And, and, and kept it moving. Um, Rawls and the port commander, you said, so you have Rawls. The port commander, the county police, and the coast guard are all in one room. And because of McNulty has sent this information with the coordinates, it's determined that Ross has to has to take all the murders. Uh, what were your what was your um, what was the point you wanted to make uh, about this scene? This was a big scene. Yeah, I, I titles two together. The early one in this one is just uh you know, this, my, I've already said, my theme on this, this episode is the petty and where does that petty get you, right? And the unintended consequences, right? Because Rawls was so Rawls and petty throughout this episode with everybody else who are his acknowledged peers. This is not, that group is not his subordinates who he can just order around. And so they have the same type of influence and connections he has in their various departments. And so um, I found it interesting that um, Raw's usual tactics got him stuck with 14 uh, uh, Jane Doves. That's all. Yeah, I mean, I think... I think this was about McNulty. I, I don't. I think because of course you did. <laughs> I mean, the initial, the, no. I mean, the initial scene. Not, the initial scene was about when when, the, when he's in there with just the, the one dude, uh, the port commander, Robbie. Right. Robbie's trying to get him to take to to take the murders. Right. So I don't blame. I don't think Rawls is being petty by saying there's no way I'm taking all these murders. Like I wouldn't. I wouldn't take. He, he, uh, it was the it was the coffee comment. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 that's right. You could, yes, that. but it's it's the overall it's the overarching tone, surreal. It's what we know of Rawls. It's what it's it's how he operates in this world. It's how he goes about managing everybody. It's what it's it's what we know. Is it very specifically petty that he doesn't want to take these murders? Of course, it's not petty that he doesn't want to dip his below percentage. I would argue the entire enterprise is petty, and that's the point of this episode is that it actually should about be about solving these 14 murders and it's not, it's about everybody not wanting these murders, which is petty as all hell for a police department, a, a police, a city, a, a criminal or, you know, part of the, the justice part of the jurisdiction of the city, not actually wanting to fight for justice. Like that, that in itself is petty as all hell. Um, and that, that would be the argument for the episode. But in particular, just with Rawls right here, um, Rawls' usual tactic is what he took against the one 
the one uh, person who's head of his department, I forget what, what department it was, um, he was able to bully him into getting, into getting his, his way. Um, but uh, when faced with everybody there um, who are, again, his acknowledged peers, not his subordinates, um, that have the same type of connections and the brain power and the, 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 the abilities he does, um, it's, it's, it's not, it's not, it's, it's, it's a much more fair fight and Rawls gets what he deserves because um, Rawls is Rawls. So you have uh, Ziggy and White Mike. White Mike, of course, is a local drug dealer that Ziggy messed up. Uh, the Ziggy got the initial, got a package from. We come to find out that Ziggy, Ziggy tries, <laughs> this, this is your guy Ziggy. Yeah. He tries to get, um, he tries to get a new package, despite the fact that he's fucked up two previous packages. Yeah, every package he gets, he messes up. <laughs> and like, White Mike was like, no, like, we, like, what? No, I can't, I'm not fucking with you, though. I'm not fucking with you anymore from that standpoint. Ziggy was like, I thought we were friends. And White Mike had a perfect retort, basically saying, you know, basically, are you still breathing? Or are you still, are you not, are you still, you're still walking, right? Like, dude, you fucked up, too. The only reason that you didn't get fucked up because we're, because we are, you know, we were friends or, you know, had a prior relationship uh, going back. So, I, I think with this scene, you know, this scene was, um, you know, gives more insight on Ziggy in terms of where his head is at right now and where he, in what direction that he, that he's might, that he's going in, um, in regards to um, future episodes. Uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah, Ziggy. That's the great thing about Ziggy is like you don't actually have to guess at any of his motives or any anything. Ziggy's very much who he is now. Will be pretty much who he is the entire series. Um, So like like I said, he's he's a he's a study in pure unadulterated self destruction. Um, There's no there's no chill on that gas pedal at all, and. Um, this is showing us just another at whatever Z, this is showing us another aspect of if Ziggy touches it, it's going to go to crap. Yeah. Um, you have Avon and Stringer meeting uh, outside uh, through the gates, through the gates this time in, uh, in between the gates. Um, Avon, they discuss Tillman. Avon, you know, tells him, you know, what's going on going on with Tillman and put Stringer on that. He also brings up the fact that Don, that 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 Donetta Donette, excuse me, needs to do her part as far as bringing up bringing uh, her son to see um to see uh D'Angelo. He explains what he what he talked about with Brianna as far as you know we need to do our part in regards to D'Angelo. And then the key part of the scene at the end was um uh, D'Angelo, Stringer questions uh, Avon about D'Angelo and basically asks him, is he too far out of reach at this point? And, you know, Avon says, no, no, he's family. And we, uh, we're left um, with that scene. Yeah. yeah. He tells him about or, the, or uh, yeah, yeah. he tells him about the uh, drug, the, the dude in, as well, no, I don't think they. I don't think we discussed that. Nah. <laughs> they, they, she talked to him, told, he 
scuffed that with Brianna. Um, yeah, a lot of foreshadowing, a lot of setup with this um, with this particular scene. A lot of setup because it's it from D'Angelo and and Donette. So you have McNulty, Bunk, and Freeman at the bar. Uh, McNulty, they have McNulty, of course. They you know they talk to him about Rawls having to pick up all fourteen murders, and um, they have McNulty take fourteen shots of Jameson, which don't recommend anybody do that. <laughs> fourteen shots of Jameson, which he does, and you know basically, and to your point, and you made this point throughout the course of, of you know season one and, and even season two when they when there's a when there are a lot of jokes going on there's a underlining you know subtext that these show is trying to make uh, for this this particular scene Lester they you know McNulty say, says the epigraph they chew you up but they gotta spit you out um, you know he says I'll McNulty says you know I'll do my 11 years and put in my papers and Lester basically says uh, that's a long time to be on the shelf. And I think that, that kind of, I think, I thought after he said that, that kind of, you know, hit me, resonated with McNulty. And then, you know, he says back to Lester, you know, tell me about it, Mr. 13 years. And then he leaves out, of course, and then Lester finishes off with, you know, in four months. Um, what are your thoughts on this scene? Yeah, there's a lot going on here in this scene. Um, so just just to get back to the kind of like the beginning of it, like like this also illustrates the point of like what I was talking about in terms of like the pettiness and like everything like that. Like right, like literally like McNulty's taking the 14 shots for each of the bodies that he dumped on Roth and to a much more significant part today dumped on Cole. Um, which is which is why like simultaneously it's like a jokey atmosphere but uh but the other part of that is they're making him drink these shots because he's fucked up for doing that like you're fucked up for doing that and you gotta you gotta pay some type of tax for doing that to another policeman um just because you want to be petty and get get it to raw get get back at raw um but of course mcnulty can't see any of that he's just very very excited that Rawls is sad and that um and that Jay is is sad that that's what was getting him very very happy and and excited about that and so um so this all plays into the self-destruction right like McNulty this is not a plot a plan or anything like that again this goes back into the way that I'm using petty in this episode where petty is I'm doing something just to satisfy the feeling of the notion of revenge or get back for me with no long-term view no view of the consequences that can come from that and so what Freeman was saying was, you know, you're never coming back from this one. Like you're never like this is such a damaging um, move that you're never coming back from this one. And McNulty's thing is, it's like, yeah, fuck it, I'll put my papers in in 11 years. And what Freeman's saying is, 11 years is a long time, dude. It's a long time to be in a place you don't want to be in, which obviously we know. But the the thing is, McNulty didn't think any of this through. He just wanted to get back. That's just his reaction. That's the very definition of being petty as all hell. Um, and so, uh, and so that that's a that's that's a lot of what's going on in in that scene as I see it. 
Yeah, and we will see the collateral damage of McNulty's actions later on in this uh, in this episode. Um, yeah, there's collateral damage everywhere. Um, yeah, Frank uh, Sabaka gets the, the dock workers uh, out of jail. Uh, one of them had to stay in because they had a previous charge or some a previous charge, but uh, they get some out of jail, um, and uh, they discuss the the Valchek dispute. And one of the one of the guys gets mad at Frank. Um, I think it was Nat, the dude he had the argument with in, in season one, not season one, but episode one about the Green Pier or whatever. And he basically says to Sabaka, "You better get, you know, you better get a hold of this shit because you know this is heavy. You know this this is twice now in one day. This dude, you know, has had us, has had, you know, has been fucking with us." In terms of the DUIs and in terms of you know those parking tickets on those parking tickets on their own lot, um, so you had so that's you know that's going to be a setup, uh, a continuation for things to come with Valchek and Sabaka. Um, Bunk and Freeman. So because now they had the fourteen murders in uh, for the Western. They know that uh, Landsman knows that uh, you know you can't put those on Cole. That Cole is not at you know not that level of detective. So he chooses his best people, which are Bunk and Freeman. And Bunk and Freeman get assigned with the fourteen cases of uh, cases on the with the Jane with the, with the Jane fourteen Jane Doe's. Yeah. yeah. Hold on. Um, so I did have something to say about 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 this about this scene um if i could cut a scene out and just uh like tag it and tag it as a warning for my past self and a warning for anybody else who comes up in in these types of situations this would be the scene where jay is telling them how great police detectives they are in order to give them more work, in order to give them uh, essentially an unsolvable case, right? And so it's like, so I say that for like my past self is like when people would come up to me and be like, oh, you're doing such a great job and this, you know, you're the only one we can trust with this impossible, horrible task. <laughs> like, I just wish I had this be like, no, uh-uh, uh-uh, they do not really think you're great. They not, no, uh-uh, they're saying that to get you to do this. Um, so, I just enjoyed that because, of course, Bunk and Freeman are veterans, and they obviously see this for what it is. This is their literally their first words out of their mouth was, "This is not fair. We're not up." Um, and and you know you know how how you know Raw sticks to that that rule, simple rule of how they do policing in the murder policing in uh, Baltimore at that at that time, whatever. So I found it interesting that they're breaking their yeah, their their sacred way of doing business over here, but I mean it's 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 twofold, right? Like it's like it's like, hey, it's kind of it kind of is accurate, um, you know, are they gonna solve fourteen homicides? Not likely, not likely. But if they are gonna solve it, it's gonna be with their very best. Um, so that's one. So so there there's a part of it that rings true. The bigger piece is let's let's be honest, Rawls in order he can't directly get back at McNulty right now. So um collateral damage to to the nth degree. He's he's sticking it to his peoples. Yeah. Um yeah. uh 
So that's the big one. And Jay is just there smiling, giving that message to, to them. Um, so yeah, 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 yeah. Collateral damage. So yeah, McNulty and Perlman. Uh, McNulty, of course, went over Perlman's house after he got drunk with the 14 shots, spent the night. Um, she chides him for not being for not, you know, having for not for them not, for them not having sex. And also he basically, you know, he tells her that he and his wife are going to try to uh try to get back together. Um, are gonna try to make another go at that relationship. And you know, she questions him before that, before he says that, she questions him on the status of their relationship or what is the status of their relationship. So she says, I'm not your girlfriend, I'm not this, I'm not that. Like what am I, what like what are what are we doing here, basically? Um and you know, he, he says, you know, we're you know, we're good together. And uh then he tells her, then you know, then he tells her about his wife. She goes in the other room, closes the door, and you can see, you know, you can see her uh anger in that in that in that particular moment as he's asking for uh you know for some aspirin um felt like at this point she it was basically like you know what fuck this uh you know we we this is not gonna happen anymore with uh with mcnulty uh, that's the kind of sense that i got even when i saw this the first time like she like she was just done with him from that standpoint uh what were your thoughts yeah, I mean, the thing that came to my head as I was watching it, I was like, and there goes the relationship of McNulty and, um, what's her last name? Uh, Perlman. Per and Perlman. Like, this, this, that, this was the last. This is the last of them um, physically, on, physically on the show um, as, as anything relating to couple-ish. Um, but yeah, basically, she's just running down. She's just running him down to, as uh, why he's such a horrible person. Um, so yeah, this is this is the fine. This is this is the end of them. Um, horse horse face in the next scene steals the police van off off the lot, which I found it, it was hilarious. I was like, so it was a couple couple parts. This is a short scene, but it was it was hilarious from this standpoint. Not only does he steal the police van, Valchek's police van, by the way, is all in Valchek's uh, lot, or wherever, you know, that, that Southeastern district sec sector. He steals the police van, gets in there, and one of the officers waves at him on his way out, which I found hilarious. So I'm like, so no one recognized, like, yeah, I, I mean, no one recognized that it would, you know, that he wasn't a cop. Like, they just, you know, like, oh, no, see you, you know, later. That was, it was, I just found it hilarious. And again, this goes back to to the recurring theme of, you know, back and forth with Valchek and, and Sabaka, which, you know, still in a police van, we'll, we'll see how that, that's, you talk about petty. Like, we'll, we'll see how that turns out. Uh, what were your thoughts on this quick scene? Yeah, I mean, like, it is very quick scene. And the scene, the scene sells itself. But just as you were talking, um, again, like, I, I have to, like, like dig in a little bit because because like this episode is ranked low um again in the context of the wire you know what does that mean but it's 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 low and i know why it's, i know why these last two have been so low is because they're like heavy heavy setup 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 and and i get it from from that aspect but like the things that we're talking about when you watch them again after you watch this season 
take on such a tragic note, right? Like Frank literally says, I think in the scene before that, or like whatever scene he has before that, maybe in this scene where he goes, he goes to Balchek. He doesn't go to Balchek. It's like after he gets word about what Balchek has done. Um, oh no, no, no. It's, it's when they're walking after they've, after they've, uh, after he's done bail for all of them. Um, he's like, Balchek wants a war. He's going to get a war when homeboy was just saying, you just need to get this resolved. So they stop messing with us. Just crush whatever this is. And um, in Frank's mind, it's like, okay, let's go to war with the police department. Like, why would you do anything like that? Like, that's not smart at all. And just, oh, just, just, that's what I was thinking initially when I'm watching it. Now, knowing the entire story, it's, it's incredibly tragic. All of these digs don't put the fire out. It makes the fire brighter and hotter. And we want to talk about self-destructive. This is the epitome of it. Everything Frank does leads to his demise. Like everything he does directly, that's, that's the, that's the uh, Ziggy is the obvious version of it. Frank is, Frank is the, is the version, right? Like Ziggy Ziggy is the one we can laugh, we give ourselves permission to laugh at in his self-destruction and everything like that. And it's just like, ah, look at Ziggy. But Frank's doing the exact same thing at every step of the way in, in this entire process. If he backs down, if he just lets it go, if he just lets it go with Valchek, everything else proceeds accordingly. Everything else proceeds accordingly. But because he couldn't let it go, Everything does not proceed accordingly. That's why these first two episodes, I get that they're ranked low, but they mean so much. They build so much. And if, you're, if you are just of the mindset of, oh, this isn't like season one, or these aren't the same people I know, or da 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 you're going to miss so much. And you're going to miss a really, really good season. Um, and it's because of little, little chunks of little scenes like this. Like, yeah, like initially, yeah. But once you watch it and you watch it over again, all this stuff is incredibly important and meaningful. And so that's why I would encourage people to be looking at with like Frank and like these, these different digs, him and Valchek going back and forth early. Yep, it's, it's very petty. It's very like surface level, petty, 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 petty. You do this, I do that, you everything like that. But as you dig deeper through the entire series arguably with a lot of different themes but just this particular season is it's incredibly incredibly tragic because every move frank does brings him closer to his own self-destruction in a very 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 tangible way yeah this and we'll see later on what he does with the police van uh <laughs> which is you know <laughs> even added more fire gasoline on fire um i didn't get why like really when i first saw this i didn't i was like you're really gonna steal a police van from Balchek? like because at this point even though we at this point we're we're like a season in a couple of episodes into Balchek as far as like you know we the guys and that he, he's an asshole he's an asshole and somebody that you don't really want to piss off if you can avoid if you can avoid it and the how, about, fact, how about this surreal i don't want to steal any police department's van in america no, no, <laughs> it no. doesn't matter. It, I no. mean, it yeah, no. yeah, that. who Balachek is or how he 
is doing this is just not a good idea. No, no, it's a horrible idea. It's a horrible idea, especially knowing, especially him knowing Valchek as well as he knows Valchek. Like you know Valchek. So yeah, to your point, yeah, no, it's a horrible idea regardless of who it is, but it even adds even it's even dumber considering who we're talking about here. Um so you have a Okay, yes. So you have Bulk, Freeman, and uh, B.D. Russell. Um, they realized that... Um, so Bulk, so Landsman gives them the number... Uh, Cole gives them the number to the Fort Police. Um, probably in the private scene. Cole and uh, Landsman, not Landsman, Bulk asked, you know, is she, is she, uh, is she at least pretty when, when they get her name? Uh, so they meet, so you have Bunk and Freeman meet up with uh, B.D. Russell and they, be, you know, begin to kind of like discuss what they're going to do, uh, where they're going to be the next steps towards this. Uh, of course, none of them, especially Bunk and Freeman, want no part of this. Russell at this point is still trying to figure out, you know, trying to figure shit out. Uh, what were your thoughts? This is a quiz, a very quick scene. What were your thoughts on, on, on those three being together? Uh, this this one I read more seven for the future. No question. Um, Valtech Prez in a new detail. So Valtech, you know, like we discussed earlier, gets his new detail from uh, Varel. Um, he gives them some, um, some, you know, some nicer digs than what the uh, detail had in season one by far even though the place is a little bit dirty. Um, he puts Prez in charge of him, and we see a bunch of guys, you know, just a bunch of random faces. Um, and we see we see our buddy from season one, uh, Polk, Polk. Yeah, Polk. And by the way, he, we recognize Polk, and Polk, in a classic Polk line, um, who fills out the overtime slips? <laughs> so Polk. Let's get to what we really worried about here. <laughs> Polk is uh, – Still, Polk still looks like he drinks. Yeah. <laughs> still, 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 like he, still looks like he's hitting the bottle. Enjoys the occasional cocktail or two. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and you know, you look at this, you look at this crew, and you, you even, I mean, you could even tell, even without, even without watching this, the series five, six times, you could tell these guys, you know, are just here. Um, you know, Prez is the leader, so that that lets you know, lets you know all you need to know. If, if Prez is, you know, you know, as good as well as Prez developed in season one, he's he's, he's not a boss. So, but he makes Prez the leader. You know, good to have a son-in-law or a father-in-law in charge. And and I like what he said about Prez. The kids are prodigy. <laughs> so he he has he's selling them. Valchek immediately sells them on how great Prez is. Um, um, during that uh during that particular scene, uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah, it, it almost looks like, you know, like the band back together from the beginning of season one, right? So it already gives you that sense that, uh, yeah, this group's not going to be around for too long. They look like the sharpest group. Especially uh, if, Pre if Prez is the one leading it. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's dicey. That's, that's dicey. You have uh, Sabaka, um, Nick, 
and Horseface going getting back to the police van. They find out now. They find out that uh, not find out. But they bring the horse. They bring the van back to back to the docks. They put it in a can. They open the can and uh, they put a a union sticker on the police van and take a picture of it. <laughs> what, are your, what are your thoughts on this scene? Uh, yeah, yeah, you know what's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, the just increasingly, you know, not it's one thing, one thing to steal the van. You're gonna put a, you know, put the union sticker on it. So you're basically saying, you know, we yes, we did this. Um, Sergey, our man Sergey, the uh, the enforcer from the Greeks, chases down one of the crewmen uh, at the Philadelphia port. Um, chases him down, he, uh, and they get a hold of him. So they they get a hold of him and beat him up. But the important part of this scene, for future references, is Sergey was caught on tape, which he doesn't know. So remember that. Remember that for the future that he was on that he was caught on tape, but doesn't realize it. Uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everything that you said, one hundred percent. That's what it was about. Again, like you know, this will set up the final scene of of, of, of the episode. Um, D'Angelo, uh, D'Angelo, we see the first appearance uh, of D'Angelo. Up until this point, he's in his cell, or he no, he's not in. Yeah, he is in his cell, and he's with another prisoner, and they're about to do some. They're about to do some drugs. Uh, so D'Angelo, you know, does the drugs, and then as soon, you know, as soon as he puts his head up. You have Avon, you know, walk in, basically catches D'Angelo using, doesn't say anything about it, but basically just says, uh, hey, we need to talk. Says, how you doing? And then he says, we need to talk. And then Avon uh, walks, you know, Avon walks out. So another scene that will, you know, a, a, a quick scene that will go, um, a quick scene that will have, a, you know, a lot of setup. Any thoughts on the scene? Yeah, I mean, it's a big scene, right? Like, because we're seeing we're seeing uh, D'Angelo used for the first time. Um, so that's letting us know the type of headspace that he's in. Um, and uh, it's also a, it's also, they're going to be very um, judicious with the use of last year's people. Um, in in this season, and I think you can already get a sense of it. So every one of these scenes are going to be really important. And no matter how short or long they are, they're going to be very, very important. And so this is just kind of like prepping us for that with, with D'Angelo right now. Like when we see D'Angelo, we see him in a very, very different space than we've ever seen him before. Yeah. Um, call back to season one with Wallace. Um, when Wallace started using after uh, watching um, Brandon, after seeing the body of Brandon, um, and you know that took him to you know his you know his demise. It was a part of his uh, of his demise. Uh, similar to uh, we see D'Angelo again using somebody who hasn't who's you know to your point is in a bad place, is mentally in a, in a bad place right now. He begins to use. He begins to uh, use uh, for the first time. Also, it just continues to show the power of Avon, basically, to be wherever he wants. I mean, Avon eating Kentucky Fried Chicken. He's in another per in another person's cell. 
so again, continues continues to show that theme of how much, even though Avon is in jail, he still is uh, has a lot of control and a lot of power behind even behind behind those bars. As much as somebody can have behind bars uh, without being free. Um, Bunk Freeman and uh, yeah, Bunk Freeman and Russell in Philadelphia. So they they go down to uh, Philadelphia and start to begin um, begin their investigation. Um, any thoughts on this on that? Now that's of So you have Sergey, the crewman, Spiros, and the Greek. So you know something is big is going to happen when you have Spiros and the Greek uh, in the same scene and traveling all the way down to Philadelphia. Okay, they come they come down to Philadelphia. The Greek um, finesses the dude into giving up the information. Basically, the guy they they beating the shit out of him. Um, stripped him butt naked, he's sitting in a chair. Uh, Sergey is smacking shit out of him, and to no avail at this point. Sergey's got nothing out of him. And even the Greek comes in and says, you know, he tells that Sergey tells him that he's not saying anything. And the Greek says, well, you, yet you still continue to hit him. So the Greek comes in, gets to do his clothes, kind of, you know, you know, Lester tells the dude, you know, you're going to tell us, you know, you're going to tell us what we need to know, but not in a demanding way, just kind of like, you know, yeah, you're going to tell us what we need to know. Officer offers them a cigarette, and then you see, you know, and then you see, you know, he sees some of his uh, tattoos or whatever, recognizes the guy is a Turk, <clears throat> and the guy starts spilling off some of the information what transpired on the, on the ship. Turns out that the girls were being, you know, he he was selling the girls in exchange for uh for basically prostitution with some of his crew members, and one of the, one of the girls did not want to go along with that, so they killed. She gets killed and gets tossed off the boat. She was the one that 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 we found in, that that we found that McNulty and his partner found in the opening scene of last episode, and the other thirteen were killed. Um, were basically um, collateral damage, uh, getting back to the episode's uh, title. So the Greek um, says, you know what? You know, tell me what you need to know and then I'll be done with it. You know, and again, we knew what was coming. Um, he asked Spiros, killed, killed the dude, slices his throat, and then tells uh, Sergey, no fingerprints, no face. And you know what you see in the Greek is you see somebody you see you you see in the scene is just like these girls were it's not so much that these girls were uh, got killed that by the Greek I think I think the part that bothered him was it was in in which the matter the the the, the business in terms of like you know first of all they lose they were losing money but the Greek says we can get other girls so these girls you know we learn more about the human trafficking and what these girls are going to do once they get to the states. But that's just that's just a money, that's just a number figure for, for the Greek. I, I think he was more pissed, he was pissed off about the matter in which this went down than the than even more so than the actual murders. What were your thoughts? Yeah, um, 
um, this this kind of uh, gives us a window into the. I don't want to cheapen the show by calling it like the big bad or the final boss of this season, but it's like, all right, who who the target? The target. Um uh this 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 gives us kind of a a, a more of an in-depth look at at who will eventually become the who eventually become the target and why they they need to be they they need to be the target. Um so that's that's one. Uh, aspect of it. The second is um, it when when I was watching it this time, like, I was just like, wow, they really clearly outlined everything early on. Um, and uh, I I think noticing it this time, I I started thinking about well, why 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 is that? They they kind of didn't lay out the entire thing for us in the first first season why would they do it now and I think the reason why I'm focusing on that is because this season more way more than last season which was about the different moves the police were making this is going to be about the the internal uh, motivation of our characters and why they why they do the things that they do um, particularly on the, on this case, so much less about matching wits with the organization, and much more about how uh, how the characters' own personal growth actually strengthening them as investigators. Um, so that anyway, so I was looking at that, I was thinking about was thinking about that is the the, the overarching of the season um, because. Uh, I'm just, I was just like watching, I'm just like, wow, like just the whole thing, this is it right here. This is from start to finish. This is the whole case. Um, and, uh, and I was just, I was just struck by just like how thorough, how detailed they were in it at the, at, at the, like, what is the very beginning of, of the season. Um, and so that, that's the part that just kept, just kept coming out to me this time around. Yeah, uh, the Greek, you know, it's interesting with the Greek. He, you know, up until this point, we've seen Avon, we've seen Prop Joe. Um, we've seen Daniels, Rawls, in terms of the kingpins and some of the leaders within the show. Um, he's a different type of leader um, and boss. Um, early in the show, I mentioned that he goes out his goes out of his way not to be noticed. Um, but when he does something and we see in this the scene, it makes a, it, it has an impact. Like he's no this kind of like there's no wasted motion with the Greek in terms of the moves that he's making. And he, you know, he's he's just about just about the business. And he allows he'll be allows Spiros, you know, he, he allows Spiros to be, you know, has the ultimate trust in, in, in Spiros and what his in Spiros's ability to kind of like oversee just that part, the, the major part of their organization. So I, I thought that just it was interesting this episode, just watching him move from from the opening scene up until this final scene in terms of how he he's you know in terms of how he's going to operate. 
You got any thoughts on the Greek? Or... Uh, not, nothing more than what, what I said. So they killed, so I think the most, I think the important part of that scene was the fact those last words, no fingerprints, no face. That will play, we're, we're gonna see, you know, we're gonna see how that plays along uh, over the course uh, of the season. Um, in terms of MVP, uh, Charlene Award, who was your MVP? Who was your MVP that episode? Uh, this episode was was trickier, um, even trickier than last episode. Uh, was so, um, yeah. I, I I just don't know if 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 this episode was designed for there to be a significant MVP. So I'll split the Charlene award between like what I was saying, um, between WeeBay and uh and Avon. Um because how they how they how they did that scene actually did was it WeeBay and Avon? Which one? You talking about the one with Tillman? You talking about Tillman or you talking about what he uh Yeah, sorry, Tillman and you're right. Sorry, Tillman and WeeBay. I gotta take Avon out of that one. It's the Tillman and this is the Chardin Award. Because the way they did that, the way they did that scene, the way they interacted with each other, laid down the foundation for everything that is that's gonna that's gonna kind of like the upcoming. Like you had to believe that those two were um oh, this gives me a good one for the MVP now too. So you had to believe that those two were um, no, I'm see, nah, nah. Avon and Tillman. That's the two. That's the two I want to get the okay, shirt. Avon, okay, Avon, that, that's how it's going on. I don't know why I kept wanting to put Weebay in there. Yes, Avon and Tillman. So you had to believe the performance that Avon gave, where you're like, he came to him very demure, very respectful, like um, to, to that. And you had to, so you had to believe how Avon was coming off, and so that you could feel the disrespect that Tillman gave when Tillman blew, blew off Avon coming at him hat in hand almost. Like, like you had to believe that in order for everything else that happens to believe. And so they had to play that perfectly, and they did. Um, and so then for the MVP one, that I'm going to do Valchek and Sabaka in their interaction. Because you have to believe, especially the scene where – um, Frank is telling him about himself uh, and Valchek's reaction to being told about himself um, in that historical sense. Like, that is the whole beginning of that tragic arc. And if that doesn't work, then you don't buy any of it. So that has to work. So anyways, that thinking about um, Avon and Tillman made me think about Sabaka and, uh, and Valchek. So they get the I'm splitting the MVP between those two. I'm splitting the sharding between uh uh um Avon and Tony. Yeah, I have no uh grievances, no uh, no gripes with those picks. Um very again to your point, very difficult to come out with either one of these awards uh for this particular episode, considering you know how much setup was in it. Um and how many? And, you know, we're going to see that play. We're going to see how that plays out with, with you know with these remaining episodes. But 
I had the Greek as the MVP uh, for that particular scene, uh, the Indian scene, just how he handled uh, how he handled that. Yep. Um, the Chardonnay Award, I actually had I actually had McNulty in the bar. I think that even you, you want to look at that and say he was just drunk, but I actually I like the subtlety of the performance when Lester told him that you're going to, you're basically going to be stuck for 11 years doing something that you don't want to do. And I think that regardless of whether he, he didn't say anything, um, after that, I believe he didn't say anything. After, the, after that, um, I think he had already said the truth, you spit you out. And then Lester said, that's a long time to be on, you know, to be on the show. But just, you know, I, I think that kind of, I kind of hit him even through, even through 14 shots. I felt like they, you know, I liked the subtlety of uh, of that performance in uh, in that scene with McNulty. But again, it was very difficult for this particular episode because of, because of how much they went out their way to to give you things that were, that will pay off as the uh, episodes move along. Um, as episodes move move along, you're you're gonna see the collateral damage. Now, I mean, we saw it in this episode. But you're gonna see the collateral damage throughout the course of the season in terms of some of the decisions that were made, even in this episode alone. So, I think that pretty much covers it for episode two. Uh, collateral damage, as always. Thanks to Robert Sapp. All right. <laughs> All right, we're two episodes. Stay healthy. Definitely, definitely. Take it easy. All right, sir. That's going to wrap it up for this latest edition of the Real Deal podcast. I will have this podcast podcast up probably uh, in a couple hours. Catch it on my YouTube channel as well as any other, uh, as well as anywhere you listen to a podcast iTunes, Stitchers, Blog Talk Radio as well. Take it easy. See you next time.